Welcome to Advance Rutgers, a podcast about the many ways that Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey, is addressing the critical issues of our day. At Rutgers, we believe a better tomorrow starts with bigger thinking today. And our talented and driven community is improving the human condition with transformative, multidisciplinary projects. This podcast will explore those groundbreaking initiatives, what they are, why they matter, and who they benefit. Today's episode is part two in a two-part series about the Rutgers University Microbiome Program. It features Professor Li Peng Zhao. He's the Evely Fenton Chair of Applied Microbiology, Professor in the Department of Biochemistry and Microbiology at Rutgers, and Director of the Center for Microbiome, Nutrition and Health at the New Jersey Institute for Food, Nutrition and Health. In this episode, he talks about how feeding the microbes in his gut helped him overcome obesity, why dietary fiber is so critical to our health, the simple steps we can all take to improve the health of our own microbiome, and why he plans to do this work until he's 120. Thanks for joining us. Professor Li Ping Zhao is a trim, fit-looking guy. But in the early 2000s, he was in pretty bad shape. I was about 45 pounds heavier, you know, BMI over 30. He also had metabolic syndrome, which includes things like high blood pressure and excess belly fat. And it can lead to heart disease and type 2 diabetes. But Professor Zhao was also a microbiologist who studied gut health. And then 2004, Professor Jeff Gordon in University of Washington, St. Louis, he published a seminal paper in mice model to show that gut bacteria can actually regulate fat storage. In that paper, it got him thinking, My gut microbiota may somehow relate with my own obesity problem. For two years, he experimented with different foods. He believed that if he improved his gut health, his overall health would get better. And I used myself as a guinea pig, you know, to try this diet. And eventually it worked. He ate fermented foods like Chinese yam and bitter melon. And just to clarify, fermentation is the controlled growth of good bacteria. And it can give food and beverages a range of health benefits. So fermented foods would be things like kombucha, kimchi, sauerkraut, sourdough bread. So anyway... Professor Zhao combined fermented foods with a diet based on whole grains. After making these changes to his diet, he lost 45 pounds over two years and lowered his blood pressure, cholesterol, and heart rate. I eventually developed a dietary scheme. I call it Feed Me, Feed My Microbiome Diet. Feed Me, Feed My Microbiome. When it comes to maintaining our health and lowering our risk for disease, we're all, in a sense, eating for two. But, says Professor Zhao, We need to make the distinction between human nutrition and uh, microbiome nutrition. But why does our microbiome need its own nutrition? He says our gut microbiota co-evolved with us. And for thousands of years, we humans ate a lot of fiber. Our ancestors had a much higher fiber intake. Uh, On average, you know, 200 to 400 grams of fiber. Every day. But now... On average, American people now take 15 grams of dietary fiber every day. 
He says this shift from a high-fiber diet to a low-fiber diet has disrupted our gut microbiota. And that disruption can lead to the inflammation that causes disease. So that is why, you know, dietary fiber is so important. If you look at the literature, almost the only nutrient which has consistent results on its beneficial effects is dietary fiber. And by beneficial effects, he means dietary fiber can not only help prevent disease, it can help alleviate the symptoms of disease. So that means it's a fundamentally important nutrition to human, but it's actually targeting gut microbiota. We'll talk about sources of dietary fiber in a minute. But first, how exactly does fiber nourish our gut? Professor Zhao says we all have a huge number of bacteria and other microbes living in our guts. But we lose a massive number of them every time we have a bowel movement. So to make up for that loss, microbes have to grow constantly. And all that growth requires a lot of food. And so the nutrition that our, our bacteria need to grow can come from two primary sources. One is anything non-digestible or undigested in our diet. Our bodies can't digest dietary fiber. And that makes it the best energy source for certain bacteria. The bacteria that tends to be health-promoting. So the more fiber these beneficial microbes get, the faster they grow. The faster they grow, the more they take over the ecosystem. And a gut dominated by beneficial microbes is a healthy gut. He says the second source of nutrition comes from the gut itself, from mucus and dead cells. But the microbes that rely on this energy source, they tend to be pathogenic or detrimental. And uh, so that's why, you know, dietary fiber can be a very important uh, microbiome nutrition. But what makes beneficial gut bacteria so beneficial? When these microbes eat dietary fiber, they release short-chain fatty acids. So these short-chain fatty acids, they are not in our diet. Maybe, you know, vinegar is an exception. And also, we cannot synthesize or produce by ourselves. And, but they are very, very important. They're important because short-chain fatty acids help maintain a healthy gut surface, regulate our appetite, and reduce inflammation. We know inflammation is damaging to our healthy organs and the cells. So reducing inflammation is critical in preventing or alleviating disease. But like he says, they don't exist in our food, and we can't synthesize them. And that's why we need to feed the bacteria that can. This would be the best example for the so-called symbiotic relationship, the mutual beneficial relationship between human and some important gut bacteria. I think this is the most well-understood, well-studied, and also one of the most important mutual relationship between human and gut bacteria. But in general, we humans aren't doing a great job of holding up our end of this relationship. Among other things, we don't eat nearly enough dietary fiber to keep these good microbes at high enough population levels. And most people, you know, when I talk about the importance of high fiber and how they nurture gut bacteria, oh, it's a fiber, okay? Have more fruits and vegetables, you know, problem solved. He says it's not that simple because there's fermentable fiber and there's non-fermentable fiber. Beneficial bacteria can only digest 
fermentable fiber. Surprisingly, if you look at uh, fibers in fruits and vegetables, they are mostly non-fermentable. Now, he does not mean that fruits and veggies aren't important. Far from it. They have loads of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and they are good sources of dietary fiber. Although, as he says, most of that is non-fermentable fiber. But that non-fermentable fiber is important. It absorbs water, which makes our gut content bulkier. And that bulk increases the gut pressure that helps with transit and alleviates constipation. But that's it. You know, that's the physical benefits. In order to get physiological, immunological, psychological benefits, we talk about from short-chain fatty acids, dietary fiber should be fermentable. Because the bacteria that produces these short-chain fatty acids needs fermentable fiber. And that comes, in large part, from whole grains. The general advice is whole grains contains much more fermentable fiber than vegetable and the fruits. So whole grains include quinoa, oats, barley, brown rice. But he says you have to be careful how you cook them. Because if you cook whole grains too long, they become too digestible and can release a lot of glucose into your body, which can cause your blood sugar to spike. And over time, repeated blood sugar spikes can increase your risk for conditions like type 2 diabetes and heart disease. So that's why, you know, I'm very careful in giving across-the-board, very general advice to people. It's, uh, it's just because our microbiome nutrition research has advanced to a level where we can use data-driven approach to help people. The research behind this data-driven approach began when Professor Zhao was obese and using himself as a guinea pig. He and his team learned that a diet high in fermentable fiber fed beneficial bacteria. But what they didn't know was which of the hundreds of species of bacteria in our guts were the good ones. So they developed the WTP diet, which stands for whole grains, traditional Chinese medicinal foods, and prebiotics. And then they conducted numerous clinical trials, giving the diet to those with adult obesity, childhood genetic obesity, and type 2 diabetes. We identified a very special group of bacteria. Before we gave the WTP diet, they were very low in numbers. And when we provided the WTP diet after about four weeks, then they reach Plato. They become predominant. And uh, ecologically, we call them, they regain their ecological dominance. This group of bacteria produces the short-chain fatty acids that nurture our guts, regulate our appetite, and reduce inflammation. His team also found that when it comes to type 2 diabetes, these short-chain fatty acids stimulate production of a hormone that promotes the secretion of insulin. Professor Zhao says that after patients were on this high-fiber diet, they had much better glycemic control. So this is one side of the story. The other side? This group of good bacteria lowers the pH of the gut, and that makes it a lot harder for disease-causing bacteria to grow. On top of that, these good microbes... They themselves actually also antimicrobial. This short-term also can kill or inhibit other pathogenic bacteria. So eventually... Disease-related pathogens, they are reduced, 
and then beneficial bacteria promoted. So you have a much healthier gut ecosystem. Professor Zhao calls this group of good bacteria the Foundation Guild. Because they are not one species. They are actually many different species, but they work together as a guild. So that's why we call them, instead of foundation species, we call them a foundation guild. And anyway, this is a very important finding. Very important, because the foundation guild is the key to a healthy gut. So if the average American doesn't get enough fiber, and a lot of the fiber that we do eat isn't the right kind, why can't we all just eat some version of the WTP diet? the whole grains, traditional Chinese medicinal foods, and prebiotics dietary scheme. Professor Zhao says that diet was designed to test the hypothesis that a high-fiber diet could promote good bacteria. It wasn't meant to go mainstream for a lot of reasons. Because different ethnic groups, different geographical origin, different family, different individuals, they have their own dietary habits, you know, preferences, and the local produce they, they prefer. So we cannot, again, provide a, a diet which, across the board, everybody should take it. But all of this research has led to where we are right now, at a point where he says we can use a data-driven approach to help people. For example, once they identified the Foundation Guild bacteria, they could sequence their genome to understand why the bacteria thrive on such a high-fiber diet. Then we look at their genome. No, we realize, okay, so they are very good at using several different kinds of plant fibers. And uh, you know the chemical structure, properties of those fibers. And uh, so now we no longer need the whole diet. Instead, Professor Zhao and his team at Rutgers have developed a high-fiber formula specifically designed to promote Foundation Guild bacteria. The FDA has granted the formula investigational new drug status. They used it in a recent feasibility study on a patient who had COVID-19 in 2020 and was suffering from long COVID. She developed a very severe GI symptoms like nausea and bowel refluxes, and it almost cannot have a regular meal for over a year. She also had anxiety and palpitations and couldn't work. Professor Zhao and his team gave the patient the high-fiber formula for two months and... She recovered, you know, not completely, but she started to have a regular meal. Andy says her GI symptoms and anxiety improved significantly. It was the first study to show the potential of treating long hauler syndrome by targeting the gut microbiota. The next step is a randomized controlled phase two trial. The formula that Professor Zhao developed is a product of a Rutgers startup. And uh, so I'm the scientific co-founder of a microbiome company called the Notisha Biotechnologies Company. The company has a clinical program for patients and a wellness program for the general public. So if you're wondering about the state of your gut, you can send in a fecal sample, and they'll analyze it to measure the level of your foundation guild bacteria. And if it's low, they have a product that can help restore it. And uh, this company is now producing a nutrition formula uh, or microbiome formula, which is high fermentable fiber formula for the general public. It's a powder you can mix in water, add to smoothies, or to muffin, pancake, or waffle mixes. And there's a third step to the wellness program, too. 
Once your foundation guild is restored, you can send in another sample. The company will isolate your bacteria and store it. And if you ever lose those good microbes completely, which can happen with certain infections or treatments, they'll help you regain your original foundation guild. Okay, but we all want to know, what can we do right now? In general, my advice would be not much different from a nutritionist would give you, you know, have more fiber. But uh, when you come down to using various uh, fiber-rich ingredients, then we know that you need to balance the intake between fruits and the vegetable fiber and uh, green fiber and the whole grains fiber. But remember, don't overcook your whole grains. For the whole grains, the traditional Chinese medicinal food, the whole grains, I also roast it. So that means after you roast the seeds, the starch inside the seeds become much less digestible. So you can get even more benefits. But uh, there is a balance between how much you roast and uh, how much you still keep the necessary mouth feel that you like, you know. If it's too dry, then nobody likes it. He says in general, ethnic foods tend to be more beneficial to their respective ethnic groups. That makes sense. Why? Because your ancestors and uh, your ancient microbiome has been relying on those ingredients. And uh, so if you want to uh, nurture your foundation guild, you probably, the first place turn to is your ethnic food. But a lot of us want to know about the supplements that we see on the shelves and all the foods that say they contain prebiotics or probiotics. And he says they can be helpful. And just a refresher, prebiotics are nutrients for beneficial bacteria and probiotics are the beneficial bacteria themselves. But he says you need to do your research. First, read the label. Professor Zhao says you'll usually see two Latin words. The first word is a genus name. And uh, the second word is a species name. That's not enough. He says you also need the strain ID of the bacteria. So whether you're reaching for yogurt or a supplement, look for the bacterium that's included on the label. By taking this name and put it in Google search, you can pull out all the patent application, clinical trial papers, all centered on that strain. So if you say, okay, I can pull quite a number of clinical trial papers showing the benefits of this particular strain or products containing this particular strain, that might be a product worth trying. And there's another simple thing that you can do on a daily basis. And just a heads up here, we're going to get very blunt about bowel movements. I know in the West, people don't talk about bowel movement (laughs) in the public, right? Some people never look their poop before. But uh, you you need to monitor the so-called stool quality because that's a very immediate sign of your gut health and then your overall health. So what comprises stool quality? First, shape. And I actually have a chart on the wall beside every toilet in my home. He's referring to the Bristol stool chart that lists seven shapes, ranging from too dry, constipation, to too loose, diarrhea. So even my uh, three-year granddaughter, after each poop, she would uh, look at the chart and say, okay, it's type four, normal, normal. (laughs) The second indicator is color. If you have a very dark color, that's not a good sign. 
you know, a yellow, golden color, light color usually is better than very dark color. The third is odor. He says a strong odor usually means an unhealthy gut. And finally, stickiness. It's exactly what you think. So while it may take some getting used to, monitoring your movements can reveal a lot about your gut health. And if the indicators aren't good, he says fix your diet first. It's just because nothing more powerful than your own diet. So take a minute to look at your plate. And remember, you're eating for two. So every time when I look at my meal, and I'll have a very quick estimation, you know, whether I have enough protein and fats and those for myself, and also how much microbiome nutrition I should take, almost become automatic. He's not saying give up all those treats you love. Just don't forget those microbes need a lot of love, too. We indulge from time to time, right? We, we enjoy life. But then I would say, okay, next day and the next two or three days, I needed to make it back, you know, come balance. Professor Zhao has been working in the fields of nutritional health and gut ecology for 30 years. And he plans to keep doing it for quite a few more. I joke that I'm going to retire at 120. (laughs) And that's because he's got a lot to do. I actually have a goal, and I hope at least 10 million people can either restore and uh, recover or maintain their health by using what I found in my scientific research. And uh, that will be very fulfilling. One way he plans to reach that goal is through the Rutgers University Microbiome Program. Professor Zhao is a co-founder and co-leader of the program. And as part of it, he'll soon be launching the Family Microbiome Project. And uh, we know that the foundation guild bacteria, they are essential to human health. So that's why we need to get them very early in our life. He says the foundation guild bacteria are transmitted from mother to baby through the reproductive tract and through breast milk. But they can also be picked up from uh, interactions with other family members, from father, you know, from grandparents. He wants to recruit a thousand families to identify the foundation guild bacteria unique to each one and to each family member. They're hoping to learn more about how this essential bacteria is transmitted among families and among ethnic groups. So New Jersey is the best place to start this project because we have the highest ethnic diversity, not only in the U.S., but also in the world. He says the goal is to better understand how modern-day practices are affecting the transfer of Foundation Guild bacteria. Practices like scheduled C-sections, bottle feeding, and antibiotic use early in life. And if that transfer is severed, can it be restored? So we need to identify and understand this. And uh, hopefully we can find out such bacteria, identify them, isolate them, so that we can have a bank. And uh, then they can be used to develop drugs to help those who have permanently lost them. The Family Microbiome Project will be a very long-term study. But he sees real change coming in the not-so-distant future. And probably the generation who's going to be born 10 years from now will be the microbiome babies. 
because their microbiome will be taken care of from even before they were born. Their mothers and their fathers will manage and test and optimize their microbiome, prepare for the new baby. But really, when it comes to making our microbiome healthier, we don't have to wait that long. Professor Zhao says that's the beauty of this research. So much of it can be applied today. Sometimes I joke that before you listen to my talk, you are you. After you listen to my talk, you are no longer you, but you and your microbiome, right? When you realize there is a gut microbiome living inside your gut, you need to respect it. You need to nurture the right part of it so that it can keep you healthy. It's, this will fundamentally change your behavior many, in many ways. That's it for today's show. I'd like to thank Professor Zhao for being so generous with his time. And remember, this episode is part two in our two-part microbiome mini-series. In part one, Dr. Martin Blazer and Professor Maria Gloria Dominguez-Bello help us understand what our microbiome does for us, why it's changing, and the impact that change is having on our health, specifically on the health of kids. Music in this episode is by Epidemic Sound, and you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Multidisciplinary projects like the Rutgers University Microbiome Program embody the innovative drive of Rutgers, New Jersey's academic, health, and research powerhouse. I'm your host and producer, Christine Fennessy. Join us next time as we explore more initiatives that will better the world.